The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Welcome to Camp Creep, a podcast focusing on anthology horror, starting with Tales from the Crypt. I'm your least favorite camp counselor, Tish Delano. And I'm the other camp counselor, Lauren Jewell. Woo! Happy Sunday. Yeah, it's a Sunday and it feels like midnight, but it's actually seven. I don't know how people live in that, like, Alaska, know, yeah, 30 Alaska. days of night situation. Yeah, and I know, like, in Sweden, like, it's, they have that point where it's, like, 24 hours of daylight and mm-hmm. then there's, like, 24 hours of, like, night time. And I'm like, I listen, yeah. I, <laughs> I would be just delirious. I, I can answer you how they do it in Alaska. Okay. From observation of documentaries. There was a documentary called 30 Days of Night. <laughs> And the reason they get through it is because the vampires ate them all. So I owned that movie and I realized I'd never watched it. Like somebody bought it for me because it's just a safe Christmas gift or birthday gift to be like, I found this horror movie. Here you, <laughs> Here go. you go. And I'm like, yeah, that's valid. That reads. And I was like, oh, I never watched this one. So I put it in and like right in the beginning, they kill some dogs. Uh, and I immediately turned it off and I put it in the Goodwill bin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, listen, I was like, if it's like three quarters of the way through an animal dies, I'm going to be upset about it, but I'll power through. But like, I especially can't handle when you hear like the hurt dog noise like uh, you wrote about it in your scary story i know it's ironic isn't it (laughs) like it's so ironic but yeah so is there anything we need to talk about before we even get to the official stuff i mean i have some good news so campers uh both camp counselors are actually performing this weekend because when this episode comes out it will be december 2nd okay so i will be performing at oh holy dark night a holiday burlesque show dedicated to the cape crusader Batman, presented by eartha kitten and delta van dam on friday december 3rd at 9 p.m at armageddon beach party lounge if you are local to michigan tickets are 20 dollars and available at ohholydarknight.eventbrite.com. I will put the link to that in the episode description this week. And even though the show I'm in is already sold out, it is Saturday, December 4th in Hamtramck at Ant Hall. And it's the Hot and Bothered presented by The Dirty Show. So it's the preview show. Woohoo! Woo! All right. So I do have a notice for our bulletin board. Do tell. Yes, just a little bit of a content warning that there is lots of gun violence and guns featured in this episode. We do not live in a bubble here. And if you're living in America, boy, is it a fun time. And that's what we'll leave it at. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's all terrible. It's all terrible campers. So we just wanted to put that out there in case there's anyone that really just, you were hoping for a break from that kind of stuff. Just wanted to give you a heads up that that's featured in this episode pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for this week's bulletin board. Are you ready to go creeping through that crypt? I am super ready to go creeping through that crypt and I have a creeperosity for you. Yay! Do you have any guesses on who the first door-to-door beauty company was? Uh, Mary Kay? Legitimately thought the same, but then I googled it. The answer is Madam C.J. Walker and her wonderful hair grower. I got this blur below from history channel.com. 
She was inspired to create her hair products after an experience with hair loss, which led to the creation of the Walker System of Hair Care. A talented entrepreneur with a knack for self-promotion, Walker built a business empire at first selling products directly to black women, then employing beauty culturalists to hand sell her wares. The self-made millionaire used her fortune to fund scholarships for women at the Tuskegee Institute and donated large parts of her wealth to the NAACP, the Black YMCA, and other charities. Hell yes, CJ Walker. Right? That was the most educational creeperosity I think we've had for a while. I give two snaps to CJ Walker. Hell yeah. This is Season 2, Episode 11, Judy, You're Not Yourself Today. And this is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 25th issue of the Tales from the Crypt comic. When an Avatar cosmetic sales rep pays a visit to 300 Chatsworth, beautiful Judy falls victim to a makeover she didn't ask for. Her gun-ho husband Donald swoops in to save the day, but shenanigans ensue and everybody gets what they deserve. They really do. This episode. It opens on our beloved Crypt Keeper doing a little face mask. He hasn't had a spa day since season one's episode Only Sin Deep, so he's a little overdue. Right. And when he peels that mask off, his skin is baby smooth. So I'm gonna need that product. Although I do have a suspicion that forehead looked a little too smooth. I suspect maybe a touch of Botox. No judgment. No judgment Crypt Keeper. Just telling it as I see it. And then we have a very long opening sequence. I am glad you also thought it was long because that's my note. So basically it takes forever in a day, but everything in this house is gaudy and beautiful. And it also reminds me when you're walking down a thrift store aisle with all yes. the knickknacks. It's that overload. Yeah, it's it starts with several shots of paintings of fox hunting scenes. You know, you've got the dogs and the people on the horses with the red coats, but also there's Tons of porcelain figurines, including, did you did you catch the random Pope figurine? It looked like almost like a Precious Moments I Yes, it made me, <laughs> like, if Precious Moments were a thing when this episode was made and Judy was a real person, she would totally collect them yes, all. Yes, yes. My note just says, trying so hard to look rich, English, and classy, but really falling short. This house's decor is all over the place. And we hear in a British accent, die, Cretan. That's Donald pointing a uh, rifle at a cherub. Something. Okay, yeah. It's a cherub. <laughs> yeah. Indoors, by the way. And we hear this adorable little voice announce that breakfast is served. It's motherfucking Carol Kane! Yeah. Judy! So we see Judy wearing a very fierce leopard print ensemble. Were you into it? Yes and no. I would have been more into it if it was a one-piece dress, Mm. but it was like this cute like peplum blazer shindig and Mm -hmm. some capri pants. The pants were too baggy. I felt they should have been Peggy Bundy tight because, I mean, she got to slam a body. I mean, like- I would not oppose to this. Work it, Judy. Work it. Work Uh it, Judy. Work it. And boy, that dining room. It is painfully (sighs) gaudy. And kitsch. Like, 
attempting to be really classy, but somehow also super kitsch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So here's what made me laugh. For the first few minutes of this episode, you might think that maybe Donald is actually British. Then somebody rings the doorbell on a Saturday morning and the accent drops because he's so angry about being interrupted. Right. The vibe that you get from these two is children playing house, but specifically pretending to be a rich English couple because the (laughs) accents come and go and you regularly catch them like kind of rehearsing their accent to sound more classy. Yeah, there's just red flags abound right from the beginning with these two. And yet they work together so nicely. They do. They do. So Judy looks out the window and says, oh, it appears that there is a solicitor at the door. And because of the English accents, I got confused. I wasn't sure if they meant solicitor in the American way or solicitor in the British way. You know, in the US, solicitor typically would mean like a door-to-door person, a canvasser. And in England, like that's what they call lawyers. (laughs) So yeah. That's not where I thought that was going. No. Okay. I mean, there is soliciting, but that's a whole nother thing. But yes, when she said that, I was like, wait, is this supposed to be in England? Because at this point I hadn't quite figured out. Like I was like, okay, the husband's not English, but no, it is a door-to-door solicitor. And right before Donald is about to go to the front door to scream at this man, he changes his mind about his tiny handgun and announcing he needs the big gun. Yeah, he takes a rifle to answer the door. Seriously, you know who this would be in in modern times in 2021. Be the guy at McDonald's with the AR-15 strapped to his back. Oh, God. Yeah, and you're like, sir, you really don't feel safe going to McDonald's? He needs a happy meal. Needs something. So the guy at the door is, ironically from the Gun Elimination Legislation Activists for Total International Neutrality. A.K.A. Gelatin! Aha! Yeah, and Donald immediately points his gun at him. Poor precious nerdy man. Right. Judy comes to the door and tries so very hard to de-escalate the situation, and Donald does a stupid, stupid thing. He points the gun at Judy's head and says, see, it's not even loaded, and shoots it. And thankfully it doesn't go off. But obviously, no, 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 no. Like, that's gun 101. Loaded or not, you never point a gun at another person. You don't pull the trigger. It doesn't matter if you don't think it's loaded. It doesn't matter if you just confirmed it's not loaded. You you just don't. Correct. So poor Judy is screaming bloody murder, which is very well deserved at this point. Valid. And so is the guy at the door. And there's yelling and Judy is trying to apologize to this guy. And while she's trying to close the door, Donald is doubling down. Apparently it's his constitutional right to hunt with the gun of his choice. That doesn't include your wife or people that come to your front door, Donald. This is not the most dangerous game, sir. One of the last things that Judy said before she closed the door, which is she's sure that this young man has had all the NRA rhetoric that he wishes to hear for the day. And Donald, because he has to get the last word, says, where were you during Vietnam? The poor door-to-door man says he was six years old, and Donald says that's a likely excuse. How dare you not be trapped into the war as a toddler, sir? What an unpatriotic kindergarten class that guy was in. (laughs) God. So Judy is busy looking at herself closely in the mirror and notices some wrinkles. She asks Donald if he knows where wrinkles come from. And because he doesn't say anything and he has no idea, she says, Your husband pointing a gun at your head. 
Seems legit. Valid. I'd like to point out, he also was ranting to himself and said, that's what I hate about gelatin. It's always full of nuts and fruits. And so, you know, I'm Chicana, but I do have white family members. But I'm guessing, I'm like, are we, is my family just not the right breed of white? What is this thing about gelatin? I'm always seeing weird videos on YouTube and TikTok and Facebook about about people putting hot dogs and gelatin and stuff. Like, what, what, I've never eaten jello with stuff in it aside from that thing that zelda made that one time oh the pretzel that, jello yeah pretzel the pretzel jello was good yeah that was good that was good that was um i would put that on the safe safe to <laughs> the eat jello foods yeah safe to eat <laughs> white people recipes but what is this thing of nuts and fruit in jello have you ever had jello with nuts and fruit in it i have not yeah i had to, i had to flag that that's the thing i hate about gelatin always full of nuts and fruit well speaking on behalf of all white people <laughs> That sounds disgusting. <laughs> Thank you. Jello yes. has a special place in our bellies, and it's usually because it's alcohol involved. Mm. Jello shots. Pudding shots are better, oh, but yeah. jello shots are acceptable too. I did watch a TikTok before coming here today where a girl said she went to college and was very naive, didn't know what jello shots were, went to a party and thought she was grabbing like a safe food item. Oh, honey. <laughs> And so, and she was like, well, it's the worst tasting Jello ever tried. And then eventually she got so hungry enough that she just powered through and was eating this gross Jello. And then she blacked out. Her roommate got her to oh, good. back, back was, home safely. Yes. No, I was not, afraid of where this is going. No. But yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I guess we do need to teach our children if the Jello tastes funny, just put it down and step away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, back to the story. Yes. So the two start arguing again and Don. Donald is about to light up a cigarette in the house and she yells at him again, says, don't you dare. And Donald says, don't smoke cigarettes. Don't point guns at my head. Yeah, dude, she's not fucking wrong. Mood. Donald's tantrums make toddler's temper tantrum look reasonable. Like, seriously. But then it gets weird because this turns Judy on. Yeah, and Donald is going back into his, like, 007 fake British character he seems so fond of. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Let's just <laughs> let's just be real there. But mm-hmm. yeah, what doesn't make sense is the fact that the whole him being a total unreasonable douche, she finds it sexy. Oi. And that's about that. He fucks off to the gun club. Which I was thankful for, that at least there was some sort of explanation about why he was just walking around with a rifle, but still. So we cut to, not sure if it's later that day, because Judy is wearing a different outfit. Oh, you know she changes multiple times <laughs> That's a day. what I thought. I was like, it could be a different day. It's like, but it, she seems high maintenance enough that she would be like, well, that was my breakfast outfit. Judy is so high maintenance that when it comes to like changing after having breakfast, but when she's putting more lotion on as she's coming down the stairs, she pauses to do another pump of the lotion, mm-hmm. because it's like on the wall going down the stairs, takes like two more steps down and then grabs tissue and wipes the like excess oil off. Like she has this down to a T. Right? This this is a woman obsessed. She is so moisturized 
that Cassandra would be proud. Moisturize me. <laughs> that was for all you Whovians out there. So Judy goes to the door. We get this very flattering peephole view of the sales lady. And the sales lady says she's from Avatar Cosmetics. And they, they'd spoken on the phone earlier. Judy has never heard of Avatar Cosmetics. And is ready to let the sales lady go. But then FOMO kicks in. And if you don't know what that is, that is the fear of missing out. And that is 100% how cosmetics companies sell their shit these days. And Judy is just so scared that she might be missing out on something super exclusive. Okay, so the old woman calls out Judy on her poor problems. <laughs> and I think that was a poor joke and went over poorly. Because- <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for humoring me. Anyways, listen here, you old lady. You're not exactly... She's not a good representative, I think, of Avatar Cosmetics. Very true, but it's that is a that is a common sales technique in the cosmetics industry. This is bullshit, right? Yes, is to make sure that you feel imperfect and point out imperfections that you didn't even know you had. Oh, how long have you had that problem with your pores, dear? Yes, that is one hundred percent a sales technique. And man, Judy just takes it hook, line, and sinker. She's so insecure. But the old woman tries to tell Judy that they only work with a certain class. And Judy's like, oh, but I have cash. That seems to change <laughs> ding, things. Ding, 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 ding. So she lets the sales lady in because it'll be a while before Donald comes home and Judy gushes over the sales lady's jewelry, which I was like, I mean, that's on brand because this story was big, chunky, and super gaudy. I loved it. Yeah. So thus it reeks of like money. Judy points to a specific necklace and the woman decides to let her try it on and she comments how women with taste usually love that one. Yes, and she admires Judy's beauty and her great ass. That's fair. That is a, that is a direct quote. She says Judy has a great ass and everything <laughs> suddenly starts glowing green. I like to refer to this as netherworld green yes. and thus we'll say that the rest of this episode. Yes, and she, still referring to Judy's ass, says, I like it even better when it's mine. Hmm, and then there's a scream yes. and that is the end of that Yes, everything fades away. Then Donald comes home like a giddy child. He's swirling his gun in the gun case like it's a new bride. Right? So Donald comes in and where is Judy? He doesn't have too much time to think about where Judy could possibly be before he is attacked by the old sales lady. But it's Judy. Or so she says. Donald doesn't believe her, so she tries to convince him by saying their wedding anniversary which is July 12th, 1979. And at this moment, I'm actually a little impressed with Donald. That he actually remembered the date that they got married? Yes, but then he <laughs> gives her a pop quiz. Did you write any of that down? Um, I only wrote the last one down. Okay, so I'm going to read this pop quiz. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he asks her what church, the minister, how many bridesmaids, who walked her down the aisle, where do they go for their honeymoon? Mm-hmm. But then a very oddly specific question, their honeymoon moon suite was what number camp counselor tish trick question they spent the first night of their honeymoon sleeping in their car instead of the hotel room because donald forgot to confirm the reservation dumbass i was watching this with steven when i was taking my notes and i turned to him and i said this is exactly why when booking our honeymoon i will do that part <laughs> <laughs> because we will 100 show up and they'll be like what you didn't make a 
reservation and we'll end up sleeping in a car. (laughs) So Donald doesn't understand why she knows all of that. And the old lady Judy says, because I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. (laughs) See what I did there? I see what you did there. Judy reveals that her body has been stolen. Before Donald can process this information, he gets a call from a friend. And boy, the quote in this, uh, (laughs) it gets me. So it's his friend Joe. Joe wants to know, had they been fighting today? Because he saw Judy throwing back three gin and tonics at the bar. And when he sat next to her, she, quote, told me to go to hell like she knew the way. Ah. I was like, I need to file that away because that was amazing. And it turns out it's the bar at the local train station. Red flag, start waving. And I fucking love how Donald tricks Judy into the closet. And she's so occupied about her vanity, wondering if the reds in her outfit will clash the coat that she's about to try on. And Donald shuts the door. And this is something else that I noticed. I think the charm that's on the door, like the key to the closet, uh-huh. is a little bat. Uh-huh. I think. It looks like a bat. So he also, before he leaves the house, after he's locked her in the closet, he grabs his gun. Because why not? And I was like, what, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to go just like shoot your wife in the train station? What, what, what is the plan here, sir? I think he just can't leave the house without his gun. <sighs> I promise you, if you are not from the United States, we are not all like this. <laughs> Pinky promises all around. (laughs) It's a a very unfortunate stereotype. (laughs) So when Donald gets to the train station, he finds Judy and is like legit awestruck because whoever is in his wife's body (sighs) did some uh, changes. Beautiful before, but oh, she took her hair down. She's got this curly wild mane. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she is just working this dress and like letting it drape off of her shoulders. Like really working that body. It's a it's a whole mood, this outfit of hers. <sighs> I called it. Wait, I had, a, I had a word for it here. She looked sexy swamp witch. Ooh. Sexy swamp witch. Like super sexy swamp witch. Like, like if this were an adult film about going into a swamp and meeting a, a swamp witch, that's what she looked like and I, apparently that is uh that's my new kink so huh <clears throat> if that yep. is an aesthetic i could get behind <laughs> So Judy, being not actually Judy, doesn't know who Donald is. So while this man is standing next to her and gawking with his mouth on the floor, she literally blows smoke in his face and walks away. (laughs) Which, which, which... I support as a way to tell somebody to fuck off and right. get out of your bubble. And then it randomly cuts back to the house where old lady Judy is still pounding on the closet door screaming. And then we go back to the train station where Donald sees somebody reading a newspaper. This newspaper gives him an idea. So while Judy, his potential wife, is about to go into a train to Vegas, he runs up to her and says, you can't run away and the cancer is spreading and he wants to spend the rest of their days together. And I didn't catch it till the second time. I couldn't figure out how he came up with the story. And then the second time I watched it, I caught it. The newspaper headline was about a woman whose cancerous tumors turned out to be twins. Oh, happy day. Yes, she turns out she was pregnant with twins and not dying. Realizing that she has made a mistake, Imposter Judy does some cool little magical hand motions. The amulet glows. What's that shade of green again? It is called Netherworld Green. Yeah, the amulet glows Netherworld Green and she collapses. The switchback has been made. The real Judy and Donald kiss and race back home where the witch is still waiting to be let go in the closet. But Donald gets his gun out and he just starts shooting. (laughs) Yeah. He's so... 
bad. He is. I mean, I will say, I was like, I mean, they had right to be scared because that old lady sounded like a rabid raccoon in there. Like, <laughs> seriously, I was like, Jesus Christ, are they sure it's still the old lady in there? Like, that, the, the sounds she was making were absolutely terrifying. But yeah. Then Donald just empties his gun into the closet door. I would say, what, the first three bullets don't even go anywhere near the closet door? Yeah, he definitely put some holes in the wall. Got <laughs> broke, uh, broke a vase. Yeah, broke a vase or three. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't truly hurt himself here. Right, right. He is so that guy that would blow, like, his dick off because he had his gun tucked into his pants and, like, went to go to the bathroom. So, the adrenaline from the witch falling out of the closet, presumably dead, puts both of uh, Judy and Donald in the mood. And they fuck. Next to the dead body, on the floor, right next to the dead body. That's what gets you're going. And my note here just says, this is the whitest, most American shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then I've got a little little joke here that I wrote. I said, I'd say that this is what it's like at Ben Shapiro's house, but then we all know he's never aroused his wife like that. Hey, oh, yeah. Yes, we win. <laughs> and if you don't understand that, just go to like, know your meme. You'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. We'll wait. We'll <laughs> wait. All right. So now Donald is in the basement digging a hole to bury the witch in because you know, that's normal. Right? In a very shallow grave. That was Stephen's only comment. Was, uh, that grave is not deep enough. I would like to remind you that this is the man that dug a grave deep enough for the both of us in the span of an hour when our dog passed. He had a lot of adrenaline at that time. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> also, you're very tiny. That's true, but still, this was a really big grave and, <laughs> and in a very short amount of time, so I just found it very sus when he's like, that grave's not deep enough. Trust me. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes, Stephen. So basically, campers, if Camp Counselor Tish disappears one day, the husband did it. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, babe. Let Uh, me know if you want me to edit any of that out. (laughs) No, leave it in. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So upstairs, Judy is staring at the transformation necklace and wants to keep it out of the safe somewhere she can stare at it forever. Not weird at all. Donald is not on board with that idea. Apparently, he's tried melting it and crushing it, but he cannot destroy it. So in the safe, it goes to be locked up forever, question mark? And like, clearly this thing has her under some sort of spell. And for a second, Donald considers her request and he shakes his head and says, Babe, you've got a witch buried in your basement. Get a grip on reality. This episode does have some real solid quotes, man. They when they when they hit it out of the park with the quote, boy, they hit it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts to three months later. Judy awakens with a start. She gets out of bed, she slowly saunters to the safe and opens the safe to the familiar netherworld green glow. It is already glowing and prepping for who knows what. Right. Another thing to point out, and I don't know if you noticed it or wrote it down anywhere. But did you happen to see all of the like gun decorations and gun <laughs> magazines that's in the bedroom? No. So oh my god. When she turns on the light there's a bunch of like Guns in America magazines and then on the walls there's those you know when you're at like uh, the shooting range uh-huh. and they've got like the the silhouettes with yeah, the yeah, yeah with the bullseyes there's okay, a uh-huh. bunch of those oh wow wow so that's Donald's touch I'm sure oh man if you've if you've never been to the United States and you're not from here like don't start with this episode because I swear <laughs> to God America is not like this is not normal Finland 
Finland. We promise not all of us. Oh, we're, I mean, I would say, I would like to say not most of us, but every day I just get a little more scared. A little bit. <laughs> so adopt us, Finland, please. I'm learning your language. Mina Olin Lauren. I don't know what she just said, but I've got Google Translate. <laughs> I said my name is Lauren. Um, Sina Olit Tish. There we go. You are I'm Tish. Smile and nod. There we smile go. and nod. That's why I'm learning it. I've got... 53 days into Duolingo. So when we go there in like 10 years, I got us. You'll be fluent by then. I hope so. Woo! So, Donald startles himself awake and notices Judy isn't in the bed. And at the smallest, tiniest noise that he hears, he grabs his gun and points it at Judy. Yes, this is this is why they don't recommend that you have a gun on your nightstand, because these things do happen. Also note, he is wearing tiger-striped PJs. He totally is. Yes, neon <laughs> orange and black. And now, unfortunately, now I gotta track these things down because now Stephen wants a pair. So thanks for that, Tales from the Crypt. But Donald... Donald reveals that he had just had a nightmare about the, quote, moldy old bitch we got buried in the basement. And he's thinking about moving her body. Yeah, and Judy is acting a little strange. In fact, you could say that Judy is not herself today. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, she says her nightmares aren't bad anymore. She doesn't know what he's talking about. It'll get better. Just calm down. And Donald decides that in order to go back to sleep and to calm down, he needs a glass of milk, which is not my late night beverage choice, but like, okay, it's respectable. It's I, good for your bones, I guess. I do not understand how people just drink a glass of milk. Like, I can I can drink a glass of chocolate milk. I mean, granted, I am lactose intolerant, but I power, <laughs> I mean, like, I deal with the consequences and I will have some chocolate milk every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Usually on Christmas Day, that's like my Christmas Day thing. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, is I have a glass of chocolate milk, but straight up milk, even as a kid, like, I was, I, ooh, no, thank you. My dad had a glass of chocolate milk every day for dinner. It didn't matter what we had. Didn't matter if the taste would go together oh. or not. He, Michael, you know what, at <laughs> At the end of the day, if he would eat something, I was happy. So he just <laughs> wanted a whole gallon of chocolate milk. Right. That's fine with yep, me. That's valid. Donald goes downstairs and walks into the now open basement door. And when he goes to shut it, the witch, who has been decaying for three months, <gasps> is there asking for help. You know, I gotta say, for having been ba- dead and buried for three months, she looks not as bad as you might expect. Yeah, she's not got good. Most of her skin. It's certainly not where it should be, but it's there. <laughs> she's melting. Oh, he starts digging around for his gun, and he finds Judy trying to leave, fully dressed, suitcase in hand. Yeah, she looks like a widow because she's got like this like fancy black suit on mm-hmm. and a hat with a veil. Yeah, looking good, Judy, looking good. Which I believe is the same hat that the cosmetic. Which was wearing. Ah, I think so. I think you're right on that. So then Judy has to feign a scream when she realizes that he can see the witch and she can see the witch and she realizes, oh, I need to uh, scream here. Yes, I need to look surprised. Mm-hmm. There's a very clear delay there. <laughs> I was like, wow, good act, good acting, Judy, good acting. And the old lady starts insisting that she's Judy. But Judy says, no, I'm Judy. Will the real Judy please? stand up. 
Donald, however, is a very clever man and comes up with a plan. I'm really surprised that Donald was smart enough to come up with this without any prompting. Oh, yeah. No, like, Donald has some surprises. Like, he he, he remembered the wedding details. Mm -hmm. He seems to be mostly attentive and notices when things are wrong with his wife. Right. But Donald throws a set of keys onto a table and asks for Judy to go get the jag and pull it up front to wait for him. Because apparently killing the old witch is gonna, quote unquote, get messy. But psych! They don't have a jag. Yet. He was quick to note, yet. <laughs> Goals, I guess. Judy is the imposter. So he gets into a tussle. Boy, I've been wanting to use that word recently. He gets into a tussle with imposter Judy. Meanwhile, real Judy, who is in the witch's body, disrupts this fight by telling him to be careful because she bruises easily. And that's where the episode goes way downhill and gets really sad. Yes, because then he shoots. He shoots young Judy, who's the imposter Judy, and everyone is quite horrified by what's just happened. But also, what do you, you were wrestling with someone while holding a loaded gun in your hand with the safety off. These things do happen. As imposter Judy is laying there about to die, she switches back into her rotted body, I guess. And it's so beautiful, though, at the moment, because while everybody is englowed with netherworld green, Judy and the witch's body is reaching to hold hands with Donald because they both seem to know what's going on. Oh. So it's a shockingly loving moment. And then they have this amazing quote. <laughs> Judy. Judy, my girl. I don't know if this was shady or genuine or sincere. <laughs> I Go ahead and say it because... So there she is laying in her husband's arms, dying from the gunshot wound he gave her. And she says, what does the NRA handbook say you should do now? And those are her dying words. And this episode is basically 30 minutes of anti-gun propaganda. Oh, God. <laughs> like that. Like, you know what? I hope I have, if I'm ever shot and killed, which just let's just face it, I live in the United States. The odds are high. I'm either going to die from a gunshot wound or cancer. So those are the two options here. Uh, I hope, though, if it's gunshot wound, that I have enough time to say that. I'm, I'm just going to store that in the back of my head just in case. Yes, good. And, like, honestly, I don't mind if people own guns as long as they, like, get them the correct way and yes. take classes and are responsible. Listen, I grew up surrounded by guns, but they were always locked up. We were told, you do not touch guns. They're not toys. They're not for fun. Uh, I grew up with a family of hunters. And because I have no interest in ever hunting, I was never allowed to... To touch the guns, which is fine. That's the responsible thing. You know, they had gun safes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable to a limit with responsible gun ownership, but... Then you have the people that like left their left their handgun in their purse <laughs> or in their glove compartment yeah. or, you know, under their pillow. Oh, my goodness. And I myself am far too accident prone for certain types of weapons. And that is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time somebody's like, you want to go to the gun range? All I can think about is that time that that poor little girl, somebody took their child to the gun range and was not physically prepared for the gun and somebody died and uh, it was a horrible accident. That's all. All I can think about in my head is like, that would be me. Except the person that would die would probably be me. Oh, no. Because that is, if you if you know me at all, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not good with stuff. Mm. <laughs> so, there's still a little bit more to this episode, but I thought it was important that yeah. we side quest. <laughs> yes, before we get, you know, hate mail of, I don't know. I don't, I don't 
know if we have any of those listeners. I don't think this is their thing. Their jam. But making it clear that we do acknowledge responsible gun owners. And thank you for doing your part. Thanks for that. So Donald is holding his now dead wife. And he escapes to another Bond-esque character. And is just saying that he's been a really bad boy. And it's really sad. And ultimately, I think they really did love each other. Yeah, they were both two very messed up people, clearly, who had some kinks that I get. I just, I, I don't get. They were very vain and shallow, but they did love each other, clearly. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of love and affection there, and uh, in the end, it's a terrible and bizarre tragedy. And then we cut back to the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Who is not a responsible gun owner. No, so the Crypt Keeper apparently has gone into his costume trunk and found himself a toy gun. But, oh wait, scratch that. It's not a toy gun. It's a real gun. Ooh. I think he grabbed the gun from cutting cards, and that's where all the bullets went. And that's why when they tried playing Russian roulette, it wasn't working because the Crypt Keeper had it all. Right. He had shot off, what does he shoot, three times, four times, just randomly in random directions? <laughs> he doesn't care. I wonder how much his house insurance is. Right. A crypt insurance? Crypt insurance, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then uh, the camera goes to black as he points the gun at himself. And then just as the screen goes black, you hear the gunshot. I imagine there's cackling after that, too. But I don't think there was. I think it was just the ending theme song. Yep. Like, I'm like, wow. That happened. Woohoo! That, that episode took a turn. Damn. And that was that episode. Hello there, campers. October may have come and gone, but let's be honest, isn't it always spooky season? Lucky for us, the Picassos are inviting us to the seance with their newest EP and other scary stories. This EP includes a cover of Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party, as well as original music by the band, including a song called My Personal Phenomena. The Picassos say that... This song has always required audience participation, and for live events, we get any willing to join us in singing the final chorus. And almost always when performing this song written in my haunted house about the ghosts that may or may not live there, light bulbs have burst, things fall over, and oftentimes you can feel a change in the air. You can get a digital copy of And Other Scary Stories at thepicassos.bandcamp.com. They're also streaming on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. For more details, check out their Instagram at thepicassos. The Picassos. Haunted sounds for haunted people. All right, and it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's That Ghoul? All right, this episode was directed by Rhonda Haynes. She did direct a critically acclaimed 80s film called Children of a Lesser God. This film uh, snagged deaf actress Marley Matlin an Oscar and actor William Hurst and Piper Laurie Oscar nominations. So very famous film. I mean, I was too young, only vaguely know what it's about, but apparently it's kind of a big deal. Mm. And then she also directed the Emmy Award 
award-winning TV movie called Something About Amelia, starring Ted Danson and Glenn Close. But most importantly, oh yes. Oh, after school special. She directed a CBS Afternoon Playhouse special called Just Pals. Apparently, the CBS Afternoon Playhouse specials were the predecessor to the CBS School Break specials. But this late afternoon anthology series that we will not be covering, although you never know, um, Just Pals was about a 13-year-old boy who finds it hard to continue his friendship with the neighborhood tomboy who's beginning to become more ladylike. <laughs> That's my reaction to that. Then we have Donald, who's played by Brian Kerwin. He got his start on The Young and the Restless in the Ooh. 70s as Greg Foster number two. Like an evil twin situation? Yeah, I was like, I don't know what that means, but it's a soap opera, so who, it could be a clone, it could be evil twin, who knows? true. He then went on to play Deputy Birdie Hawkins in the show BJ and the Bear and the spinoff series, The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo in the late 70s. He went on to have reoccurring roles on TV shows such as The Love Boat, Roseanne, Frazier, the West Wing, Nip Tuck, Big Love, and he then returned to the world of soap operas as Charlie Banks on One Life to Live. Notable films include Jack with Robin Williams. I, I believe he played the dad. He was also in 27 Dresses. I hate that I've seen that movie. I watched it against my will, I would like to point out. Is 27 Dresses the one with Katherine Heigl? Yes. Okay. Where she's the been a bridesmaid like 27 times. Gotcha. Ugh. And he was also in The Hell. He played Emma Stone's dad. And then we get to Judy. Ah, yes. Carol Kane. Yes, Carol freaking Kane. And maybe you're not familiar with the name. So let me just tell you a little about Carol Kane, because you definitely know who Carol Kane is if you've been existing. And unless you're like two, then maybe you don't know who Carol Kane is. Carol Kane is an American stage, screen, and television actress and comedian. She started acting in film in 1971, and her lists of credits include Dog Day Afternoon, Annie Hall, The Muppet Movie, When a Stranger Calls, Transylvania 6500, The Princess Bride, which <laughs> you quoted earlier, Scrooged, Adam Family Values, Jawbreaker, <laughs> like basically these are so many of my favorite movies The Dead Don't Die uh, which is a newer movie very I, I oh still, yeah yeah I know what one that is yeah I still don't know if I liked it or not it was just so weird and as for television credits she was Simka in Taxi she played Gwen Munch who's the first wife of Sergeant Munch on Law & Order SVU. Ooh, yes. That's my favorite Law & Order. Yes. She played Gertrude Kebelput, the mother of Oswald Cobblepot on Gotham. Mm. Yes, a.k.a. She's the, the Penguin's penguin. mom? Yeah, she's the Penguin's Beautiful. mom in Gotham. Yeah, oh man, she's so good in that role too. And she plays Lillian, the baddie landlord on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So goddamn funny. And that <laughs> show isn't that funny. She's freaking hilarious. I think all but the last season of that show was hilarious, but yeah. that is valid. Yeah, it did. the show definitely took a turn in the last season to the point where you're like, this isn't, oh boy, I'm just uncomfortable. Also, I, I need to give her so much goddamn cred as a serious dramatic actress. If you have not watched Hunters, it is an Amazon Prime series oh. about the Nazi hunters. Uh, she plays Mindy Markowitz. She is so good. So 
so good. Her performance is like, I mean, the, I mean, the show Hunters balances so well comedy and this very serious topic. It has a very stylized, stylized editing. It's, it's just so good. I highly recommend watching Hunters mm-hmm. and she's phenomenal. God, I love Carol Kane so much. And Tales from the Crypt is not the only horror anthology she has been in. She is also in my favorite episode of Tales from the Dark Side, Snip Snip. Ah! Which we will eventually cover, although yes. Tales from the Crypt is probably going to take us about maybe two, three more years. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to The Witch aka the sales lady. Uh, she was credited as the witch, though, who's played by Francis Bay. And again, another person that you might not know the name, but you will know her. You've you've definitely seen something with her in it. She is considered the iconic old lady actress. She made her acting debut at the age of 59 oh. in 1976. She started with just doing extra work, and she had some small roles in TV and movies small walk-on roles. And then, I don't know, she went to star in some minor films that you may have heard of. I don't know, Blue Velvet, Big Top Pee-wee. She's one of the she's uh, one of the cranky old ladies in Big Pot Top Pee Wee in Amazing. from in town. Yes, Wild at Heart, Arachnophobia, Critters Three, Happy Gilmore, and a little known show that totally doesn't have a cult following called Twin Peaks. Mm. She was uh, Mrs. Tremond in both the show Twin Peaks, and then she returned for the movie Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. And she also had a recurring role on the show The Middle as Aunt Ginny. An important quote from her. And this really resonated with me. So I'm hoping, you know, we always try to encourage people. I love highlighting when somebody got a late in life career start because I always encourage people, it's never too late to go after your dreams. She said, I always wanted to be an actress. It wasn't an ego. I felt so little about myself, considered myself such a sparrow, not just my size, because she was five foot tall. Aww. An inch shorter than me. I thought I was so plain. I did plays not to show off because I thought, If I did that, I didn't realize at the time, I would be somebody other than this person I didn't really approve of. I think that's true of a lot of actors. And oh, that hit me hard, like in the gut. Because I'm like, I've been there as as an actor who's, you know, worked through some of the darkest times of my life. Yeah, I totally, part of the appeal was just escaping and not having to be me for a while. So that very much resonated with me. And Francis, unfortunately, was not able to return to the Twin Peaks revival show because she died on September 15th. 2011. But she left behind a very iconic career, particularly for someone who did not get started until the age of 59. So unlimited snaps for Francis. And that is this week's Who's That Ghoul? And now a very important question. Cam Counselor Dish. Yes. Did you like this episode? I did. It was very, to me, this episode is very iconic. It is exactly what I think of when I think of Tales from the Crypt. It's very cartoony, you know, that twist, that twist ending that goes so incredibly dark and sad. Like, mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt to me balances that out, the campy, cartoony kind of side of horror and then like with some darkness there. I would say I would give it, some points it did a little too cartoony, so I would say I'd give it one and a half severed thumbs up. Oh. 
Oh. Yeah. I'm being extra critical. And that's that's hard for me because, like I said, I do love Carol Kane. And Carol Kane was perfection. Did you like this episode? So I'm rating this episode two severed thumbs up because I personally love Carol Kane and think she can do no wrong. And this episode was the perfect amount of camp. And I very much loved the Netherworld Green. Netherworld Green is a mood. Mm. If I could get a dress made out of the color Netherworld Green, I would be so happy. Green is totally like, that's your color. That's how I feel whenever I see red. I think of you. Yee. We're Christmas! Yay! We are so festive. So festive, which is ironic. We are not Christmas people in this establishment, no. campers. No, we. Alrighty, campers. It's about that time. Time to mosey on home. But before you go home, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Send us an email if you want to pop in and say hello. You can reach us at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on your favorite social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Camp Creep Podcast, and on Twitter at Camp Creep Pod. And as always, campers, creep it real. Creep it real.